You're listening to the Bear Down Chicago Podcast with Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and Jack Wright. The Bear Down Chicago Podcast. Yeah, we're that Bears podcast. All right, folks, welcome in to another edition of the Bear Down Chicago podcast. I am your host, Ryan Dingle. We are That Bears Podcast. Now, Patrick Sheldon, Jack, he, he's not here. I think he's lamenting the Yankees' loss to the Royals. He's sad. Logan Bradley, not here. He's wagering. Maybe he won the Mega Millions. Brendan Chagru, not here. Working like a dog. That dude is like he's he's got to be. He was in Philly or something, so for right. work, let it let him do it. Okay, so we talked a lot about this. You and I, we could host a show together, but we decided that this was going to be a lot of fun. One of our most loyal listeners and is a good friend of of both of ours, and we're we're stoked to talk with him, John Piltaver. Pill, I am so excited. Yeah, we just call him Pill. So from from now on, it's not John Piltaver; it's just Pill. Pill, welcome to the the Bear Down Chicago podcast. How are you, buddy? I am well, gentlemen. I, uh, I'm excited to be here. It sounds like I either have some little shoes or some big shoes to fill. So uh, I'll take it. I think that might have been a shot at Logan's height. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it is. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't. Logan, how are you, buddy? We love you. Um, okay. So, Pill, before we get started, just because we, we can, we want, you know, pick your brain a little bit. What is it, you know, just, you know, float our egos a little bit. What is something that you like about the Bear Down Chicago podcast? You know, I, I wrote a comment a long time ago, uh, and I, like I've been following it for a while. It's like a, a warm blanket of uh, the podcast because I get to enjoy either the happiness or the sadness of being a Bears fan. Most of the time it's sadness. And being sad, uh, it helps to have some others be sad with me. And I can go, yes, you guys agree with me. I love that. That's yeah, That that's that's 100 percent. Are you thinking? about buying or selling a house in the chicagoland area there's one person and one person only jeff cadwallader with at properties jeff is making it happen for his buyers using proven tactics to help his buyers get the contracts and it's not about paying the highest price either contact jeff today to learn more visit genevajeff.com or call text 630-254-4734 the Bear Down Chicago podcast gets their haircut at Sheridan's Barbershop, located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois. It's been serving the community for 68 years with six barbers and open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. They have appointments available to book online or by phone at your convenience. You can go to Sheridan'sBarbershop.com or you can call 630-668-0137 and book yours today sheridan's barbershop where traditional meets modern so this is really fun we've got two guests to talk about the offensive line um it's sometimes i find it a little bit difficult to get excited for offensive line but i am 
thrilled about our two guests here. So we're going to start off with the varsity offensive line coach from Hinsdale Central, Coach Ryan McHugh. Coach, how are you today? I'm, I'm great, guys. I'm, I'm honored to be here that you guys would have me on. It's, uh, it's a real privilege. I enjoy listening to you guys every week. And uh, like you said, offensive line, I mean, for me, it's easiest to get excited for because I've been it's all I've done since I've been a part of football is offensive line, playing it, coaching it. So I'm just excited to be here and, and talk about our favorite team and the offensive line. Awesome. Well, coach, if you would talk to us a little bit about your, your experience with, with offensive line, both your current position and, and just a little bit about your background. So, yeah, um, you know, I'm currently uh, I'm the varsity line coach at Hinsdale central. Uh, this will be my fourth season uh, coming up with, uh, with the red devils and uh, offensive line coach. Uh, before that, I was at York high school for, for a year. And then uh, 10, 10 years before that at Marist high school, all coaching the offensive line, all various levels from freshman up to varsity and um, just something, you know, coaching. That was it. Played it, played in college at St. Xavier, played offensive line from center to guard to tackle. Um, same thing in high school at Stag high school in Payless Hill. So literally I've been, my entire football life has been O-line across the positions. So it was something that once I got kind of the, got used to, I was always a big guy, I'm six foot five, 315 pounds. So it was always the thing walking onto the field. They're like, all right, you're an old lineman. You're not at the end. You're not a linebacker, you know? So that was the, the first thing that's thrown at you. So, but uh, once I got kind of the, the feel of playing it, it was like, all right, why would you want to play anything else? You get to go beat people up for, 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 uh, for free and get to go and not go to jail. <laughs> that sounds awesome. I, we were talking about this a little bit uh, off air, which is you are friends with our good friend, Mike Fitzgerald. And so yes. the Red Devils and the Dukes face off October 7th at Hinsdale Central this year, correct? Yes, that's correct. It uh, it should be a real big one of the one of the premier matchups in the West Suburban Silver. Uh, the coach fits over at York. He's got a he's got a great squad. He's a great coach, great friend of mine. I learned a lot from him coming up as a coach, and he's got an exciting team. And uh, he's really built that thing into a, into the program it is today. And you know they'll be coming to our place, and we'll be trying to the, to defend the crown again. And they're coming hard for us, so it'll be well, a fun that- game. That's going to be fun. Uh, I think Jack and I are going to tr- try to see if we can make it out that way because we know Coach Fitzgerald fairly well. And obviously, Coach, now that we're having a conversation with you, it makes it that much cooler. Oh, yeah, that'd be fantastic. All right. So, folks, our second guest is a friend of the pod, been a friend for a while. Mike Gus, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be back on. How are you guys? Doing well and excited to talk offensive line with two guests, not just one guest this time. So, uh, Mike, if you would just talk briefly about your your past with the offensive line, how it's something you kind of came to to be working with and a guy that gets excited about offensive line play. I do. I do. It's uh, the most exciting part of football. You guys can keep all your uh, passes and interceptions and everything else. Um, man, I, you know, I spent over a decade um playing, you know, on the offensive lineup briefly into college. Um, And then from there, uh, picked up coaching, actually, my my offensive line coach that um, worked with us all the way through uh, middle school, you know, up through senior year high school, got an offensive coordinator job, just schedules lined up, and I was able to coach offensive line for him for a couple of years, um, up until the point where he, he left, he had some other things going on. And I moved into that offensive coordinator role. So spent about six years coaching after a little over a decade playing. 
pretty much 90% of that was the sole focus was the offensive line. And even when the duties expanded, that still was my primary focus. All right. So gentlemen, you are both very qualified to get after it. Obviously the bears have some new signings, but before we kind of get into that, I just have a question. Like, do you watch the game like just for offensive line? I mean, is that something that you're, you're kind of clued into as you're watching the whole thing? I mean, how do you both stay excited for offensive line play? And just so there's no confusion, we're going to go Ryan and then Mike for each of these questions. So coach McHugh, you're going to go first. And then uh, Mike Gus, you're going to go second on all the questions that we're going to ask you. So how do you stay excited for offensive line play? I always love that question. Cause I honestly, since I started coaching, I can't watch any other position. Now, I mean, I'll, I'll watch, you know, you could try to try to watch the game, but the first thing my eyes are drawn to, cause it's what they're trained to do is they're right on the O-line. First thing I see every day is a boom O-line. What are they doing? You know, who's messing up play breaks down right away. You can tell if it was a missed block, you can tell everything. So, I mean, that just, cause when I'm watching our, my high school team, when I'm watching our film, you know, it, that's something I, I, I just, I can, I can always watch film. So watching a game, whether it's a college game, um, or the or the Bears, of course. It's just like, all right, you know, Keaton on the O line. What are we doing? Who's who's blocking? You know, if there's a big block, see it right away. But yeah, when I'm watching the game, it maddens me a little bit sometimes too because I'm sitting there going, I just wish I could sit here and enjoy enjoy a game. And first thing I'm watching, and it's why Charles Leno <laughs> was one of my was one of my uh, favorite pl- uh, players when I, he was there. First thing I'd see, God, every time. But, but honestly, yeah, it's it's uh, the first thing I'm drawn to every time. Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm glad you said that. That was a point that I thought I was the only one, at least, uh, that I've talked to that watches. Because you're right, you're trained that way. You watch. You know, I would challenge anybody else to watch the game in a triangle, right? You watch it from the center and guards out to the tackles, and then back to the ball. And it, it seems complex, but when when that's how you've studied and watched and you know been assigned to do that you're right it, it's so natural and it gives you a lot of good information on the play which I, I think is why I still habitually do it um but you, you said it perfect it's watching from the offensive line back and opposed to just watching the ball um, you see a lot more you get a lot more information on the play and yeah, yeah I love it it's uh, I, I'm never going to change and I would uh, encourage anybody else to start watching games that way I think there's this misconception about old linemen being big dumb animals i i would say they're amongst the smartest guys on the field in terms of having to know uh when you're pulling who you're pulling to what your alignment is uh, what your pass pro is what your assignment is on a run block i think quite possibly would you would would i mean i think you'd probably agree i'm asking two (laughs) o-line aficionados but right like way smarter than most people think wouldn't wouldn't you say I mean, absolutely. Because uh, I remember the first time I ever played the position, thinking, "Okay, you're just going to go up and, and and move block the guy in front of you." No, you got to know angles. You got to know, you know, pass. You got to know what you're doing, what the play call was. And you got to process all that information, and then you got to go out and execute it. And you got to figure out how you could do it leverage wise. So I mean, and that's how I kind of convey that to my players, try to keep them passionate about it. Because I'm like, guys, you can't be just you know some stupid guy up here running up here okay, go, black, go run in front of you. You got to know the nuance and know kind of what you're doing. And I think that once younger players get that, I think that that helps them become, you know, passionate about playing the position because that, that's how I did it. So. Completely agree. And I, I would absolutely contend that I'm sure some quarterbacks would have something to say about this, but yeah, I would absolutely contend whoever's making those line calls and those linemen are 
the most intelligent, the quickest thinking players on the field. Um, you know, those quarterbacks, even though the cameras focus on them, they uh, they got a long time to make their decisions and, and opposed to, you know, like like you said, coach, you, linebacker shows all of a sudden you, you maybe have a half a second. And you you better be smart. You better trust that guy next to you um, to do what, what you're expecting him to. If just like the way that we would always communicate it is, you know, if football is the only I should say the primary team game. It's it's the ultimate team game. Uh, the offensive line takes that to almost another level. It's uh, you're not going to find an offensive lineman that doesn't look at that as a unit of five people, not individuals. We had our first alarming injury come out of camp so far. How concerned are you both about the Lucas Patrick thumb injury? It's it's not good. <laughs> it wasn't. I saw that. I mean, it's not an ideal time, but if you ever could get one in that first week of camp, I guess that's when you'd want it. Um, I, I I didn't. I, I tried to look at. I couldn't see if they said it was a snapping hand or if it was his offhand. But um, certainly, it's it, it, either one is, is always going to be kind of a question. Particularly, it's a thumb injury, and and I used to have issues with my thumbs playing, and and they could be nagging. Again, I wasn't at the level he is, but. Um, I think I think it's concerning, but I also think that now with it being so early, there's still plenty of time for him to come back, and 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 obviously you don't want it to be your big free agent signing. But I think as long as it's not as long as it's not seriously and it wasn't a snapping hand for the most part, I think he should be able to come back from it, and still at least in that first two week uh, the regular season window. I'm right there with you. It's it's unfortunate that this happens. Uh, the timing, I guess, you know, from a competitive standpoint, is the best that you could ask for because you hope to get him back week one. Uh, that being said, the only minor hand surgery is when it's a, when it's not my hand. Right. Uh, <laughs> but it, yeah, it's it, losing the time to, you know, really gel with that unit. Like we were just talking about and make those light calls and, and work on those cohesion. That, that's rough to lose all that time in training camp. Selfishly, um, Hopefully, I hope Kramer gets uh, gets those reps and it, we at least get a look at him in the preseason and, you know, he gets an extended run. So it, in that sense, it's good that he'll get those reps and, you know, you'll get some evaluation on him. But, for yeah, from an overall standpoint, you, you hope he heals quickly. You hope he can get back out there and he's still getting those mental reps in the meeting room and, and what have you there. So with all the talk coming up to uh, camp, it sounds like it's the line's been – feeling a little weak, uh, especially on the podcast. We've been kind of hitting the uh, offensive line pretty hard. Uh, a lot of questions, who's going to be where. There's a couple of new faces that have showed up uh, in camp finally. Uh, I've been waiting a long time for this to happen as well. Uh, one of those names is Riley Reef. Is there anything you guys are seeing that excites you? Anything that makes you nervous? I've heard of him for a while. I can't tell you anything about him. I think he's one of the bigger names, but he's a veteran guy. So what do you think? And, and absolutely, because I love listening to your guys' show. Because we, we kind of are always on the same page. Because I've been I've been uh, one of the biggest uh, focal uh, opponents for like all the the lack of moves they've done for the O line, uh, Dozer and Davenport. But uh, this week, though, they they it was a pleasant surprise because, like you said, Riley Reef, he he's a bit of an older vet. He you know, ten years, ten plus years in the, in the game. But what I like about him is he's 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 been in the division. He played for Minnesota. He played for Detroit. Um, an Iowa guy, uh, Big Ten guy, but he he fits kind of the scheme and and, and what they what they want to what they're trying to go to is that wide zone, you know, stretch type scheme where 
you don't need to be a big, strong, you know, going, you know, toe to toe with a, you know, a D end or a D tackle. So like Riley Reef, who can, he can move, he can kind of zone block and get in front of a guy. Uh, I think he's a good fit. I think the big, the, the biggest thing is he, he's going to bring that veteran kind of seasoned vet presence that left side uh, pass protection wise. Because his run game, his run blocking, if you look at all the, the, the grades, they grade him out kind of in the middle. Um, because on the wide zone, you're not going to get any, you know, big, big stat wise. But his pass protection, though, has always been pretty, pretty solid. And I think with him at the left side, you have a veteran presence there that can, that can kind of lock things down for the time being. Yeah, I think, uh, I think a lot of us, a, a lot of people here on this podcast have been in agreement since March that the concerning part about this offensive line, or the most concerning part about this offensive line was the floor. That, that essentially, I mean, there, we're in the basement. There was no floor. It, the floor of the unit prior to the signing, or these couple signings, was really ruin your entire offense um, level of bad. And Reef probably raises that floor, assuming help, for all the reasons that you just said. So in that regard, Reef is the first signing, and you know you named quite a few of them that I've really been intrigued with. I, I think, and we'll go over probably some other ones. But up to this point, they just signed a bunch of guys that you know were warm bodies to, that you hope you get replacement level out of. Reef's the first one where it would be great to get a Peters like season, or even get twelve games of, of that kind of play that could if nothing else, buy them a little bit of time to maybe develop a Jones or figure out what's going on with Tevin Jenkins. Uh, Borum looks like he's uh, got the inside track for that right side from everything I can see. But yeah, Reef, um, he's, he's going to raise the floor, just like you said, really well. He, he's going to fit what they want to do. And there's no reason to think that, you know, the unit's not significantly more secure, if nothing else, with, with him in the mix. Yeah, it's nice to get that veteran presence in the uh, locker room, even just to help some of the younger guys and hopefully get some knowledge into their heads. Uh, but one of the other guys that we just picked up as well is Michael Schofield. Uh, same question. What do you think about him? Uh, any faults to him? Anything that makes you excited? Anything that's going to elevate the offensive line? Uh, so, again, he's another guy that I've always kind of I've always kind of hoped the Bears would bring him in because he's a local guy. Um, he went to the rival high school where I went, where I went to high school, but he's a little younger anyway. Um, but I, I like, you saw him in Denver. He was out in Denver, uh, one of the ring there. And then in, in LA, he, he's been a zone. He's been, again, the, the nice thing about these two signings is they've been big scheme fits that wide zone that they want to run that, that stretch. So you can get guys moving laterally instead of trying to drive them upfield. Um, he's again, he's another guy that's a better considered a better pass blocker, um, so pass by the run blocker just because of the, that scheme. But uh, he's been able to kind of stay healthy. I think last, if I remember correctly, last year was a little banged up. But he um, he's a guy, again, he's going to bring a veteran presence, been around, got a ring, kind of adds this, that, that yeah, presence in the locker room. Plus, he's going to have the passion of playing for the Bears. It's his hometown team. So he's a signing that I really liked because I'm like, if you're going to bring in guys you're going to take the flyer on, why not bring in this guy where it means something to him to play for the Bears? Yeah, he's, you know, he, he's another floor guy, which that's that's what this they really needed to do prior to what, even up to a week ago, is really raise the floor and give themselves more viable options to protect themselves against a camp injury or you know, maybe some unexpected poor play or maybe a young guy's just not quite ready when they put the pads on. So in that regard, yeah, he it's another body. He's going to raise the floor. 
Um, in, in an ideal world, you know, I'm not sure really what his, what his ceiling is. I don't think he's a guy that's going to elevate your unit as much as a stopgap and stop the bleeding. You know, just like you said, he's going to give you competent to pass protection. And in the run blocking game, I, I think, you know, a lot of people use these analytic PFF grades. Um, but like you said, when, when you're not emphasizing the run game, that can probably, you know, that, that's going to affect these outside sources and kind of feelings on how people think that he can run block, which I think is probably a little bit better than most people give him credit for. Um, in a perfect world, though, if, you, you know, I, I hope to see one of these young guys really push him, maybe unseat him. You know, that would be best case scenario that he gives you that replacement level and, you know, pick one of them. Any one of these young guys goes and takes that spot for him. Uh, for the time being, though, it's, hey, they, they've got a professional right guard, which I, I'm not sure they did up until that signing. I'm curious, when you talk about running the wide zone and you're looking at the scheme that Getsy wants to run, he wants more athletic guys. He asks them to lose weight. Their, their you know, body mass index is lower. Are we gonna are we gonna regret that down the road? Because I guess the question is, when you lose that size and add that athleticism, are you going to put yourself in in jeopardy? What what's the advantage of having athletic guys with lower BMI who run in the wide zone specifically? I think I think it ultimately just comes down to the scheme that the, the, the team wants to coach wants to run. Because I think if you look at Look at like Denver in the '90s up until you know even Atlanta, which is where a lot of this the system came from. The Shanahan tree; those guys were never that big. I mean, I mean they were always good sized guys, but they weren't like the three twenty plus. I mean, Schlereth was a bigger guy, but he wasn't huge. Um, and then you look at what they do in Green Bay, which is another one that with, with Shanahan and uh, even out in San Francisco, it's all about getting guys on the edge. So when you lose that weight and can run. Unless you then change a scheme, if we're at this point again in three, four years where they bring in another another coach with another scheme, then you're going to regret because you're going to need to retool the whole group and and switch out, you know, bring in the big guys like, you know, like they wanted to do with Juan Castillo the last couple of years. They went from, you know, more athletic fit to Juan Castillo as an old school NFL line coach who he wanted the 320 plus guys that just get in there and can get, you know, vertical and, and drive a guy straight off the ball. And that's why this offseason they came in, Paul said, all right, you got to lose weight. We're going to move. we got to run. And, and I think I think it, it, if you can find the right guy, it gives you an advantage because now you can – if your guys can move, you can be athletic, you can draft the guy in, in the fifth or sixth round, which is what they did this year, and, and fit him in and not be missing that road grader up front. But, again, it all depends on when you, when you switch that scheme. Yeah, it's uh... – you know, like you, like you said, Ryan, it's pick your, pick your flavor, right? It, it all comes down to what you want to do. And for this wide zone, this true gap and a half zone that by all accounts, I mean, we haven't seen it yet, but there's no reason to suggest that Getsy is going to deviate from it. Everything out of camp suggests that they're going true wide zone. You, you need to be a little bit lighter. You need to be able to move that instead of a bunch of one-on-one blocks with giving those guys good angles where you want that 330 pound weight room warrior you know just to fire out of his stance get a good chunk of someone and try to drive into the sidelines you're, you're going to have five or six guys kind of working as a unit the you know the pros to this you get lighter you get athletic and the coach speak pros right or is going to be that you're you're getting an extra guy you're getting plus one to the play side if everybody can use that athleticism to get a gap or a gap and a half over 
you, you almost get an extra guy to the play side. That's the thought process. It's um, that would be the pro where the pro to the big mauler, like you said, would be, Hey, fire out of your stance. We're giving you a good angle and, you know, go use that uh, squat and bench press to drive that guy into the stands. So gentlemen, when Tevin Jenkins was drafted, I was jumping up and down. I was literally in the middle of recording a podcast talking about Justin Fields. And I just remember thinking, if we get Tevin Jenkins in the first round, I'll be ecstatic. And they ended up getting him in the second round. And now I'm starting to ask myself some questions. I think like a lot of Bears fans are, is it maturity? Is this guy a bust? Is it something else? Is it just an, a nagging injury? What's going on with Tevin Jenkins? And, and I was the same way, Ryan. I, I was the same way with you when I saw, I'm like, we got this guy. I was, I was jumping to the moon. I'm like, I'm like, great. They got it. They got the quarterback, but we got the old lineman and just seeing him. I remember seeing him last year when I was in person up at camp and he was hurt, but seeing him on the sideline, he's just huge. Like I walked by him like that dude is a, is a beast. And you watch his tape from Oklahoma state. It's like, all right, we're getting a guy who I didn't, I thought you would be better suited at the right side just because, you know, the way you, you pair your lineup in the NFL, they want the right best side to be the road grader. But, you know, I'm like, all right, he can play tackle. We could put him out there. He can start mauling people. Then he hit the back injury and it starts going in the, into the old bears line, line draft and injured guys. You're like, all right, is it an injury thing? And then this all offseason, we're hearing he's, he's losing weight. And and now I find it funny that there's more of the, of the pre-draft stuff coming out uh, now, this last of why maybe he maybe he fell. You know, Mike Gundy, I saw something where he was talking about in the weight room trying to motivate Tevin Jenkins saying, hey, dude, there's only one guy in this room who can make $40 million, and you and you're that guy once you figure it out. And hearing that kind of stuff now after the fact, it's like, all right, well, maybe they – they saw something or somebody knew something and the bears of course took him. So I personally hope they can figure it out and get him kind of locked in. I think he's too, too far of a talent and only in year two here to give up on him. And he's just, just look at the guy's a specimen. So I think, uh, I think they got to figure it out. Um, Cause I, I was listening to ESPN radio this week. They, they mentioned, you know, Mark Colombo. look at when he left the bears, you know, he was a stud. I love Colombo. I thought he had, he was a bright future. And then he goes to Dallas and he, and he has a great career, which we, we didn't have him here. He goes to Dallas, though, and he doesn't. So I'm all for it. I think they gotta, they got to give him a shot. they got to work with him. I think he's got a bright future, hopefully. Absolutely. And, hey, on a personal standpoint, I'll just be uh, – I'll be so disappointed if Tevin Jenkins doesn't work out because, um, Dangle, I think, I think I texted you right after, as you were probably recording, because leading up to that, I was one like, hey, take this guy at 20. I didn't think, you know, yeah. nobody thought Justin Fields – was a realistic possibility there. I was like, yeah, take Tevin Jenkins at 20, man. He's, he's everything physically that, that you want in offense, a franchise offensive tackle. And Hey, we can teach him the rest. You know, he's got the attitude, the size, the, the everything. I've been truly excited about two offensive tackles being drafted my entire life. Tevin Jenkins is one of them. And you know, Gabe Karimi is the other. So I can't do this again. I can't, I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> I can't go through this again, guys, because that gave career that just hurt my feelings. Um, but yeah, it's hey, I don't know what it is, but it's undeniable. And some of us, some of us here in this uh virtual room have been saying this for some time now that there's something going on. It I'm not gonna spec, you know, I'm not gonna say for certain, oh, it's definitely the back or it's definitely maturity. I will say for certain something's going on. You don't give your you know this premier tackle prospect you 
you don't not play them with the first team and even in pre-pad. There, there's no reason to do that. It doesn't make sense. And then you get the pads and he's not practicing and, you know, and they're not being transparent, which leads to more speculation. You know, hey, if it were he woke up one day and, you know, his hamstring was tight, we'll just say that. You know, you, I think any PR person would run to the podium and go, hey, no, not the back, you know, the hamstring, twisted his ankle, whatever, mm. whatever. So the fact that, you know, he's not out there, he hasn't been out there by all, it doesn't appear that he's in any immediate plans by any available metric. Um, and that we're not giving any real information on it. I mean, there's something there and, you know, I, I, I hope it works itself out. Just like coach said, I hope this is not a case of, you know, we, we give up on a guy just like Colombo and, whether it's the back or the attitude or a combination of both, who knows that he goes somewhere else and figures it out. And, you know, we've got a Colombo or a Greg Olson situation where we spend the next 10 years going, Hey, former bear, look at that all pro Uh, that, that would hurt my feelings even more. What are your early impressions of the rookie offensive lineman? Who is there somebody that you think out of the gate might have a good shot of making an impact? And, and not just because he's a Red Devil, a Red Devil guy, but I, I think because of the injury, like we talked about Lucas Patrick, I think Kramer has has a real shot to kind of to kind of jump on that because he's been, from all accounts, he's been getting quite a bit of the reps uh, at the center spot. They're they're giving him every chance to kind of solidify that number two role. Um, so I think he has a real shot to to go out there and kind of achieve that. I think from just look at the mini camp and kind of what they're doing. Also, I think. Uh, Braxton Jones, um, he's a kid that I think, you know, they're going to move him over to the right side now. He's going to compete with Borum. Um, I think he's a guy that's going to have every opportunity. I think that it seems that the, the, the administration likes him, Poles likes him, the, the coaching staff likes him. So I think they're giving him every bit of run they can. Um, I liked the, I liked Thomas in the draft. I thought when they got him, they got a good guy to kind of groom as a right guard in the future. I don't know if he's going to be ready to go, but I kind of like him. Carter was another of those, of those rookie class. I think Carter, I think those two guys will hopefully end up being depth guys where they can learn. So I think your two, your two of the most realistic shot is going to be Braxton Jones and, and, and Kramer. And I, and I, and I like kind of what I kept hearing, keep hearing about both of them. So. And again, look at that coach. I thought I was the only Kramer fan out there too. (laughs) Find another one. Um, I can't be accused. You know, I I went to Indiana university, so it's, it's definitely not where he played in college. (laughs) <laughs> you know, for me, like him. But uh, I, I looked at all of them um, a while back. I, I actually threw together like a little video, a couple examples um, in a thread on Twitter about Kramer and the reasons that I like him. Uh, to summarize that, I, I think he's a great fit. Like we were just talking about in, in, in this wide zone, and they're going to run quite a bit of inside zone half gap um, too. He did a lot of, he showed a lot of fundamentals that you really want to see. Um, that I, I kind of highlighted. I, I think that he, I mean, he's clear. He was clearly in college. Zone blocking was his strength. I, the other areas, um, you know, the reason that he fell to day three, I, I think we're outside the parameter of zone blocking. You definitely probably are not taking a Kramer to go, you know, work in some Baltimore Ravens, you know, power gap scheme. Uh, but as much as the footwork, the the tandem blocking, you know, the hand placement and really climbing up to the second level, as long as he stays on his feet, he seemed to spend quite a bit. Of, I couldn't really put my finger on, on why, but in college, he sure looked like he was he was on the ground quite a bit. But everything 
else, I mean, up to the second level, once he's engaged, I really liked everything about the punch, the hand placement, you know, swinging or or punching his hips through that would, you know, that's been my guy. That's the guy that I've always really, really hoped, you know, got the run in camp to really go take one of those jobs and he's going to get it now. I I mean, he's good. He's going to get the opportunity to, you know, go get a job now if no reason that I think to believe that if Kramer's not great in camp that, you know, that this administration is not going to, you know, maybe Patrick goes to guard, who, who knows, but I'm sure if he goes and takes that job that they will figure something out um, and hopefully play their future center as a rookie. Uh, and like you said, Jones is another one, you know, Hey, I'm not going to take credit for um, any, you know, any revelations on him, but this, this administration clearly likes him. It, that's been, I think pretty apparent going back to the prepad stuff uh, that, for whatever reason, they see something in them. They, they have seen something that suggests that they really want to evaluate them this preseason. So that's another one I'd keep an eye on. I've been watching the Bears offensive line forever. I'm tired of it being terrible. <laughs> I, 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 like, I honestly think that Jay Cutler, I, I know that's been kind of a hot button on this uh, pod as well, would have been a way better quarterback if he had just a few more seconds. When he had time, he was awesome. Well, you put him in seven-step drops with, uh, I don't even, don't say the, the offensive lineman, like I've tried to put him out of the left tackle, whoever they had. Was it Jamarcus Webb? You oh, are yes. <laughs> oh, oh, dude, thanks, Pill. You're going to make me throw up. All oh, I, I, I saw him, I saw when, he was, when he was on other teams, I'm like, oh, I hated it. Because I never blamed Cutler, I always blamed Webb. I'm like, stop it. I don't think it was Webb that was throwing the ball to the opposite team. No way. They were in the red zone. When you're running for your life. Okay. No, no, no. No, He was not running for his life. All right. He wasn't. Gentlemen, we are going to move on. I have one last question for you. It is an off-the-wall question. Uh, Neither of these guys know that it's coming. You are about to eat one of your last meals, and right in front of you, you realize you've got one choice, really, which is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. There is basically all the peanut butter you could ever eat in your life and every single flavor of jelly known to human beings. What flavor of jelly are you putting on that sandwich? One of my favorite sandwich, peanut butter and jelly. And honestly, five years ago, I would have had a different answer, but it is one of the best sandwiches you could ever have. Peanut butter and strawberry jelly. Ooh. Okay. All right. So follow-up question, Coach McHugh. Uh, what is the what is the the jelly that you will steer as far away from as is humanly possible? Oh I'll throw some af- apricot or something. <laughs> 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 throw some out there, apricot, but uh yeah, 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 that'll be the one. <laughs> All right, love it. Mike Gus, what about yourself? Uh you, you gotta reach for that blackberry jelly. Every, blackberry. Yeah, every day of the week. It's uh it's actually something, yeah. My my wife put me onto a couple of years ago, and that's it's kind of tough to find. But if you look hard enough at the grocery store, you can usually find it. I've never had blackberry jelly. I feel before. like the blackberry is like the khaki pants of the fruit family. <laughs> Personally, <laughs> all right. Well, all of the fruit world then. I gotta right. try it because I, I shouldn't knock it until I've tried it. But blackberries okay. just on their own, I'm just like meh. 
All right. So gentlemen, we cannot thank you enough for being part of the Bear Down Chicago podcast. You both are absolutely brilliant. And it was wonderful to pick your brain on offensive line. Uh, for Again, for all of you that are listening, October 7th at Hinsdale Central. I'm really, really looking forward to that game. I'm going to do everything that I possibly can to be there for that game. Now, uh, Coach McHugh, if for some reason our listeners are not following you or not getting after you, how do they follow you um, and how do they follow the Red Devils? Yeah, uh, I, again, appreciate that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, RYMCQ65. That's my personal Twitter for Coach McHugh. Uh, if you want to also follow the Red Devils, our Red Devil football program, it is HC Red Devil FB at HC Red Devil FB. That's our football account. So, uh, again, I can't thank you guys enough for having me on. I, I love listening to you guys. You guys do a phenomenal job. And, and uh, just to be here and talk football and talk bears with you guys and, and coach, you too. Uh, just love, you know, sharing knowledge and talking. And again, this was such an honor. I really appreciate it. Well, Coach McHugh, uh, I, I know I speak for the rest of us. We would love to have you back, especially anything offensive line happens. We'd love, love to have you back. Uh, Mike Gus, same question. How can our listeners get after you if they're not uh, following you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at MichaelGus57. Um, it's probably the best place to really follow me. I spend more time than I probably should or would like to admit. Um, engaging on Bears Twitter, so um, yeah, that's that's definitely the best part or best place to find me. And just wanted to say thank you to you guys again. It's uh, exact same. I'm uh, I see that new episode drop, especially on Sunday night. Uh, I spend a lot of time in the car, so I'm like, oh, okay, here we go, 8 a.m. Monday. Um, we're gonna mute this conference call and listen to the uh, podcast. No, I mean, come on, I would. Uh, <laughs> but it, yeah, I listen every week. It's great. Uh, truly just do believe it's some of the best bears content out there i i mean you guys had sylvie on last week i, I remember like yeah. come on how crazy is that or a couple weeks ago now but um really excited for you guys just excited to keep listening and um you know and anywhere anytime and all right so coach McHugh, mr gus mike gus ryan McHugh, thank you so very much for being on the show thank you guys thank you guys again anytime it was great to have those two on. I think that there's so much concern about the offensive line, and there's also a lot of mystery about it because you don't actually know sometimes the minutia of O-line play. And so to have two guys who are aficionados come in and explain it to us in plain terms and also in ways that we can all understand and then also give us a little bit of hopefulness for this offensive line. Looking at you, Ryan Dangle. I think that was pretty cool. Pretty cool to have them on. Really appreciate it. I mean, I had to tweet about it because people have been like, why are you so negative? What's wrong with you? I'm like, because they didn't have a right guard and Dakota Dozier wasn't getting me excited for anything. And so now that you have Schofield or Showfield or whatever the hell his last name is and you have Reef. Like, I'm excited. I'm excited about these guys. I don't think they are like gangbusters. I don't think they're like God's gift to offensive line at this point in their careers, but they are a hell of a lot better than what we had before. And the Tevin Jenkins thing, like, man, you know, it's, 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 it's an issue. It's an issue. I mean, Mike Gus and I, we were, we were texting back and forth. Who's the right guard? Who's the right guard? And now they have a right guard. With Jenkins, I think two things. One, I don't think back injuries go away. I've been saying that from the start. It's a, to me, it's a major red flag. That's the one thing that concerns me. The other thing is, as you think about the last regime, as they're trying to essentially save their jobs in that last draft, what kind of decision-making were they making specifically? You, like, what, what kind of choices were they making 
they weren't long-term choices necessarily. They were CYA choices and save your ass choices. And so is it possible they reached for Jenkins in hopes that, you know, that he would hit even though there was red flags? It's very possible. I want to give Jenkins another shot before I give up on him. Uh, with the regime change and everything like that, I it, it's a clean plate for the entire team. I, I have such high hopes for a team that is not even stacked yet. I just think it's going to run completely different. I feel like it's going to be like the replacements, the the movie, you know, it's, yes. it's just a bunch of guys that are like, Hey, let's go play football and just have a damn good time. And we have a good coach helping us. And I'm, that's where I'm at right now. No, I, I don't, I don't think I want to give up on him either. I just, you know, cause I, I was, I, I mean it, I was so excited about this guy. He was a mauler and there were times last year where he played well. You know, I, I think there's other times where it was like, Oof, oof, this is not good. Um, but he wasn't as consistently bad as like Sam Mustafer was, uh, you know, and I think, you know, they, they, they got rid of James Daniels or let James Daniels walk and they kept Tevin Jenkins. And I think part of that might've been something about the attitude. You, you watched Tevin Jenkins uh, go after someone who hit Justin Fields late. You know, that's the kind of attitude that you want. And the dude is big and athletic and can play uh, or at least, has the ability in which to play. And so we'll, we'll see what happens out of that. Gentlemen, there's been a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot going on this week uh, with the Chicago Bears. And so we have so much to talk about in a very short span of time. And so let's try to get after this. Um, Non-Bears related and the only non-Bears related thing is we see guys that are getting big fat contracts. And one of Jack's absolute favorite dudes got a big fat contract in Debo Samuel. So Jack, what are you kind of thinking about that? one i mean you said it he's one of my favorite players because he's so electric he is a game changer he's a touchdown machine he can play out of the slot he can play out of the backfield he can catch the ball i i long for i hope for a player like that on the bears someday uh valus jones speaking of speedy wide receivers you know someone who i was not really thrilled about um seems to be turning heads now it is camp uh, and so we'll see kind of what happens with all of that. But reports are coming in that Valus Jones is really, really fast. Jack, I shared with you the um, video from camp of Valus Jones uh, really just smoking the DB, just blew past him really fast. And then there was another one that I don't know if either of you guys saw. It was uh, Kyler Gordon versus Valus Jones. And it was a really good ball. And Valus Jones made a good play on the ball. So it sure seems like this this kid might be a good piece of this offense. How are we kind of feeling about that? I want to hear from Pill and then Jack on this one. You know, I've been excited since we got him. Everybody was really bashing him for his age. But I, I don't care. Honestly, he's probably going to be a more... Uh, mature player and is going to understand the game a little bit more. We might not get as many years out of him, but I'm ready to see what he's got. I'll be interested. And again, I think I'm excited. That separation on that deep ball was impressive. There was a good five to seven yards of separation on the defensive back. Two things just to maybe wet blanket a little bit here. We're still in pajamas, right? We're still like, we're not in pads. Uh, we have not seen, you know, uh, other live opponents. We've not seen, you know, the quick pace of an actual Sunday. So I'm hopeful and it's exciting. I think there's upside. I hope there's upside. It's got to be somebody else other than Darnell Mooney 
And it sounds like Cole Komet is having a fairly good camp too, which makes me happy. Patrick Sheldon just got angry because I said good things about Cole Komet. Sorry, Patrick Sheldon, which of course they couldn't be here, which is a bummer because I would have loved to kind of pick their brain about this. But um, I think, yeah, I, I think you're right, Jack. It's, you got you to gotta temper those expectations. And, you know, I wasn't thrilled about the pick. It wasn't necessarily because of his age, but just because of the system that he was coming out of. And I don't know, I just... But Jack, I think you watched a lot of film on him and you seemed like you were pretty impressed. So you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I will happily eat my words if I am wrong. Seems to be a lot of praise thus far in camp for the defense playing well. And there has been some national... Albert Breer uh, was was giving some credit to Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon, the Bears' first two picks, both playing defensive back, one playing corner, one playing safety. Uh, what do you guys make of this early on in camp that these two seem to be playing well? I'm excited about it. You know, again, I think going back to expectations about the draft and disappointments, I know at the time you were, you were disappointed, Ryan, I think rightfully so, when we looked at playmakers and offensive line weaknesses. Everything I hear about Kyler Gordon is good. Just an absolute ball hawk. When you hear coaches say that he's always around the ball, I love I love to hear that. So I'm excited. And it sounds like too they, they, they have some versatility there as well. Uh, whether it be, you know, him playing nickel or playing corner. Uh, they can see how that plays out as camp continues and where their strengths and, and weaknesses lie. My only concern, and I mentioned this to you, Ryan, before the show is why is Eddie, Eddie Jackson the leader in the defensive backfield room? I, I was talking to you about how over the years I had players who would suddenly decide that they were going to be leaders, like really vocal leaders, players who really had never shown anything tangible on the field. And so while I think it's important to have some veteran leadership in that room, I would really just like to see Eddie Jackson show us how he can play on the field. And I'm not sure I would choose him it's a it's a major spidey senses with me talking about how he's got these rookies over at his house and they're watching film and, and that type of stuff. Clean slate, as you said, Pill, and maybe we see Eddie Jackson thrive. I hope so, but I'm a little that just kind of rubs me the wrong way. I would be remiss if I didn't mention this because I know Logan talked about this on a previous episode. Anyone can tackle, said Eddie Jackson. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, that did not, that did not, uh, that did not land well at all. No. I'm going to take uh, Jack's uh, insight on how he was with Jones with the defense. It, it's camp. I, I'm, I, I want to see him play in the real thing. Um, I am excited to see what they can do to bring the rest of the defense up and kind of take some heat off of some of the other guys and watch him hopefully the entire team thrive instead of just trying to rely on one guy. Um, that's, that's where I'm at. Alan Williams, the new defensive coordinator seems to be getting a lot of praise for, uh, you know, Patrick Sheldon has talked about this uh, continually that they're good teachers. And it seems to be that the defense is, is moving a, along really quickly, which is great because it is a new defense. So we'll, we'll be seeing if we're going to reap the benefits of that, you know, San Francisco week one, green Bay week two, but, I've said this before and I'll say it again, Green Bay's wide receivers and especially with their their number one rookie just sitting on the pup list. Yeah, Alan Lazard. <laughs> good good for you, buddy. Good for you. All right, so gentlemen, I don't know if you guys have heard this before, but the Chicago Bears are thinking possibly about moving out of Soldier Field. Um, Wait. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. And Chicago, specifically 
Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, uh, put out a plan to have the Bears stay in here with some photographs of projected what the stadium would look like and all of those things. Do you guys think that this could convince the Bears in which to stay? Let's hear from Pill and then Jack. No way. Lipstick on a pig. I, never. I'm, I, you know what? I appreciate the history. I've been a huge guy that like, I, I want to stay with something that's um, historic, but it's not set up. I, I'm from the suburbs, so I got a, a different take on it. Whenever I go down to a, a game, it's this project to get down there. The parking's horrendous. It, I've the games that I've gone to where it's been like negative 20. It's like, Oh yeah, bears weather. We lost. And I'm like, okay, now I get to go walk home in the cold. So, you know what? Yeah. If they put a dome on, it still sucks that I'm going to have to walk three miles from the parking. It, Cause I'm occasionally I'll have somebody that's tailgating, but I still got to walk to the tailgate. No, it, let's go to Arlington. I, my cousin lives down the street from there. I'm going to walk to, oh, well, I'm still going to walk in the cold, but it's going to feel different. Yeah, and once you get to the stadium, then you'll probably take off your coat and sit and enjoy yourself in some comfortable weather. Absolutely. It's odd. I mean, I think a couple months back, the mayor was telling the Bears to go pound sand. You know, hey, why don't you worry about winning football games? And now all of a sudden, we're making some sort of an effort to keep them. Um, I, I would love to keep them on the lakefront. It is just such a beautiful venue. I just I think the Bears want to own it, and I don't blame them for wanting to own it. And I think they, they will profit greatly from it. I thought Sylvie was funny in, in mentioning that they, in the mock-ups, they still had the really long lines funneling out of Soldier Field. Like, oh, so you're going to build this new stadium, but you haven't figured out how to get people in in an efficient and quick way. And I also didn't really understand what dome-ready means. And there was three options. One of them was that it's dome-ready. I, I don't know what that means. The, the thing that Cam Worrell talked about in your guys' interview that really kind of stuck out to me as I was thinking about it after the fact was that the Soldier Field isn't a professional field. We, we know it as Chicago Bears fans, and it's funny to watch other teams when it's like the turf monster makes the tackle and some star running back or wide receiver tries to make a cut and some of the turf pops up like you can't have that as one of the founding members of the NFL. Like you, you just, you can't. And, you know, for him to kind of talk about it as a, a former player, I think that really says a lot about it. Now, if Lori Lightfoot and the Chicago park district are going to put in a real field, maybe sort of, it, it kind of changes it, but I, I I'm, I'm with you pill. I think it's, it's time to go to Arlington Heights and I want to see it. Now, with this, though, gentlemen, there have been numerous reports, and as Lori Lightfoot herself said, that there may be another NFL franchise that would be ready to move in to Soldier Field. Now, there's been some stuff circulating around Facebook that for some reason the Chicago Jaguars is a done deal, which will remind all of you to stay off of Facebook. But, uh, but I don't know. What do you guys think? What would it be like if the bears do move out to Harlington Heights and soldier field does house another football team. No matter what, I'm still going to be a bears fan and I'm going to follow them out to Arlington and I'm still going to call them Chicago bears. And if we get the Jaguars, of course it would be the most bottom of the barrel team. So we'll have two bad teams in Chicago, which would be awesome. <laughs> 
Well, the, I think the Jags get blacked out in their own TV market currently in Jacksonville. Like you can't even watch the games if you are a Jacksonville fan in Jacksonville. So I, I'd like to just put it on the record. I'm seldom right, but I did say when Sh, you know Shagru was asking us about you know the stadium options that that there would be another team that would take you know the, the place their, their place in Soldier Field. Waddle and Sylvie pointed this out. They will always be the Chicago Bears, even if they go to Arlington Heights. Dallas doesn't play in Dallas. There's a lot of examples of that. So I think it would be interesting. I think big market cities have two teams. And I just think it would be kind of fun to watch it evolve in Chicago. I don't plan to be, you know, a Chicago Jaguars fans, but you know there's going to be a faction of people that embrace it and go if it happens. Well, I might go if the tickets were actually a little cheaper than me. Hey, all right. Well, you know, it, it's interesting, right? They, they couldn't fill the Jaguar Stadium, and I don't know how big the Jaguar Stadium is, but Soldier Field is the smallest stadium in the entire NFL. So maybe maybe they could, you know. I, I think you guys make a really good point is there are some people in Chicagoland that are done being Bears fans. They don't like the McCaskies, or they're just sick of this team falling low of expectations. It's entirely possible that some people would pick up. I mean, look at Los Angeles. They've got two teams, but the Chargers have had a very, very difficult time filling those stadiums. But give it time, and if a team wins, who knows? Who knows what can happen? All right, gentlemen, I want to finish this up with with two of our defensive players. Kind of a bit surprised with one, not so much with the other one. Let's start off with the the bit of the surprise, which is Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn is at camp and he is participating as a full participant at camp. A lot of people thought that he'd be holding out, uh, asking for a trade, but it doesn't seem to be that that is the case. Gentlemen, are we are we excited about this? Are we nervous about this? Do we think this is just delaying the inevitable? How do we feel with the fact that Robert Quinn is playing? Let's go Jack and then Pill. Well, if they're going to play the Tampa 2, as Cam Worrell pointed out, they're going to need a pass rush. And so if Robert Quinn is playing for the Bears early on, that's going to provide the pass rush that they need. Quite honestly, I think the Bears are playing it. I think Poles is playing it perfectly. I think as the season draws on, there's going to be teams that are in contention who are going to look for a pass rusher like Robert Quinn. And at that time, they will pay too high of a price, and that will play right into the Bears' plans for next year. And I, I and, and as I love Quinn, he set the sack record. But I just like with Khalil Mack, I, I feel like you need to leverage those pieces specifically with his age. I love his attitude. I love his interviews. He's like I don't know, like old man in the sea wise, and he just seems like he doesn't really get caught up in all the bullshit and the and the social media. I, I just really like his vibe. So he will be missed, uh, but I do think likely he will be traded down the road. I honestly thought he was going to be gone during the draft. I He might still play well this year, but with his age, I think he can have an injury happen. And then, we're, you know what, we just lose the whole thing, so we don't get any kind of trade market for him at all. Uh, I'd like him to, of course, have another year. We don't have a great – well, we, we got an okay pass for us, but he was the sack leader, so I'd love to have him back to, you know, do that one more time and – keep the defense off the field. I think Travis Gibson can be good, but I don't expect Travis Gibson to be great. And so outside of Travis Gibson, if, if he's gone, what do you have in terms of a pass rush? There's a couple of wide receivers that know how to block, right? <laughs> look, look at in there. Maybe they'll put him on as an edge rusher. 
Uh, yeah, I, I just, I, yeah, I mean, what do you, what are you going to give up? Sure, sure. If, if this season tanks and or starts to tank early, and the way that we think that it, it might, I get, get rid of him. You know, get all that you possibly can for him. But on the flip side is, if you have no pass rush, man, your, your DBs better be spectacular, and they better know how to tackle. <clears throat> Bojacks. All right, gentlemen, last one before we get to Jack's question. Roquan. Roquan is holding out. Now, this is interesting is he is at camp. He's on the pup list. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, without a contract. Roquan wants to get paid, and it would seem that the Bears want to pay him, but not what he wants to be paid. Would you pay Roquan whatever he wants, or would you do something else with this situation. Let's go Jack pill and I'll finish it up. This is a tough one, isn't it? I mean, this is not an easy one. This is where his pro bowl snubs really hurt him because he can't ask for the same type of money that like the Colts linebacker received uh, because you know, the Colts linebacker has, has the accolades to go along with it. What do I love about him? I, I love that he can run, Sideline to sideline, he feels fast and physical. He's got a great attitude. He's incredibly selfless. He's a bear. Like through and through, he's a bear. He's a very likable guy. They're going to move him to Will, which I think will work better in the Iberflu scheme. And I think he could probably make that move, except we don't know about his ability to be able to run with wide receivers. If there's been a bit of a weakness with Rowe, it's been his inability to run with wide receivers. So he'd have to get better at that. I was surprised that Waddle was so willing to say, "Hey, uh, if they get a good offer for Roe, then then you, then you send them along." Here's what I, I hope that they pay Roe, and I hope that they keep Roe. And I know that's like different than what I said with, you know, with uh, Mac and with with Quinn, but I just feel like Roquan is young. He leads your team in tackles. I wished he had more takeaways, and maybe that will go up under the Eberflus defense. But I hope that they. I hope he gets his bag. I hope he makes his money. I hope they keep him. Pay the man. Pay the man. He's a cornerstone in this defense. Uh, he's an SEC guy. He's going to be around for a long time. He's young. We need that player to be the face of the defense for a while. He, Pro Juan, he should have had a couple of Pro Bowls under his belt already. It, absolutely. He, the numbers were right there. I, we've got the money. I know we're rebuilding this team, but he's a guy that's absolutely got to stay. He is arguably your best player on defense right now. And he's 25 years old, Jack, to your point, you know, you feel differently about Cleo Mack going away or Akeem Hicks going away is because those dudes are on the wrong side of 30. And this guy is 25 years old and he seems like he's getting better and better every year. Um, I understand that some people say that he's not elite, but find me a guy that you can get, that's going to be significantly better than Roquan that's available. I, I, I don't, I don't see it. I just don't see it. Um, it. It's tough because the cap situation right now, but the cap situation in the future, you're going to have buttloads of money. It's time to, to put it out there and, and to reward your good players. That that's Roquan. At least that's as far as I see it. All right, Jack. So it is time to get to Jack's question this week. What do you got for us, buddy? So I don't know if you knew this or not. 
dangle. But Pill is a firefighter. He's a firefighter in the suburbs. So I am going to cede my Jack's question time over to Pill for any type of a story that maybe comes to mind, something funny, maybe something gruesome, whatever you think that you know, the audience might like, Pill. I've, I've had a couple of doozies over the uh, the years. I've been around the fire service for about 17 years now, which, gosh, I'm sounding old, but I'm, I don't know. Everybody's like, oh, you're still a good kid. I, <laughs> I've, I've had some fun ones. Uh, one time we, back, back in the day, we were called to a uh, uh, a theater that we have in town and this husband and wife were there and the wife was uh, used to the husband falling asleep while he watches the movies. You know, no big deal. So, and the movie shows up and sure enough, the guy isn't snoring. He's actually having like snoring respiration. So he's actually in cardiac arrest. So we go into the theater, we grab this guy and uh, we actually got him back. So by the time we got from the hospital, he was, he was still, he was breathing and stuff again. But it's just funny that the wife just thought he was just passed down. I so, thought 100% you were going to say that he was actually dead. I oh, thought no, 100%. No, I mean, he, yeah, technically, <laughs> technically, he was. He was dead, but we, oh, we, we got oh, him back. Wow. So, yeah. So, did she call or did somebody else call? Do you know? I mean, how she that She calls because she tried like nudging him, like, hey, wake up. <laughs> and he did not wake up. <laughs> I could totally. The, th- the funny thing was, it's still like during the movie. So, people are still watching this movie. These two paramedics come into the room take this guy out on a stretcher and people just kept watching the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing it, to see here. Was it a good movie? I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I honestly, I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently it was because they didn't care about the paramedics being there. Okay. What is a misconception about your job, about being a firefighter that you wish more people knew? It's all like backdraft, right? It's all backdraft. Oh, a- absolutely. Yeah. Check that door for heat. Oh, well, we, we actually have a, the poster up at the firehouse uh, framed up for the <laughs> just, That's awesome. That's exactly what it is. I would say that it depends on who you talk to. Uh, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, are you like Chicago Fire? No, we are not like Chicago Fire. I watched that first episode, never watched it again because it is so extremely corny and does not fit what we do. Um, there's not that much drama. And then there's the other sides of it where I was like, oh, you're just sitting around on your butts all day. And uh, I work in a pretty busy town and I'm working all day now. Like I have a, a newborn, so I either get to go from not sleeping here to going to not sleeping at the firehouse. So we're, we're pretty darn busy. We're doing all kinds of stuff, um, but definitely not like Chicago Fire. That is definitely, a, a, that's the first question I get all the time. I went to England and said, I had talked to somebody and like, oh, you're you're from from Chicago, like as a firefighter. I'm like, no, 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 not Chicago fire. <laughs> Don't think anything is like that in uh, in real life. Is there something you wish people knew, like on the street? Like, do most people like pull over to the side the way that they're supposed to? Or like, is there like something that you want to say to people that are listening that might not be following the directions of the fire department? It's funny you say that we have people that will pull over when we don't have our lights on often (laughs) incredibly often or they'll be at like a stop sign and they sit there and they wait for us and just stare it's like our lights aren't on and then when we have our lights on no one stops oh man it's probably just because that's how how the mindset we're in but we're constantly 
having like I'm wailing on the horn for people that are trying to beat us because they're trying to catch the light with us. Oh, it's it's infuriating. But it, and the the opposite of people just stopping because they think our lights are on. It's like no, it's not just because it's red. It, just because our fire engine's red doesn't mean that you know we're always going to an emergency. Things things we've always wanted to ask a firefighter with you with Phil. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Well, gentlemen, it is time to get out of here. It's time to give shout outs. Shout outs to anybody that might be listening to the podcast. Pill, it is your first time with us. We want to say thank you. Uh, thank you for all you do uh, as a firefighter, but just uh, for listening to the podcast and you know giving some feedback often. We, we appreciate you so, so, so very much, dude. And it's great that you and I, we talk bears often, and now we got to do it on a podcast. So, so thanks, buddy. Yeah, it was exciting to be here. I was uh, pretty nervous at first, but once we got in the groove, it was a good time. Um, I, I'd give on my Twitter handle, but as people have probably heard on the pod before, I got Twitter because of this podcast. So I think I've done like two tweets and it may have been to dangle. Like, <laughs> that's it. So like, don't, don't, don't follow me at all. Um, so wait, I have a better Twitter game than someone. Oh, at, yes. One at, person. At Pill yeah. Who. At Pill Who. P-I-L yeah, Who. Yeah. Just, that's the one. He's got 11 followers. Let's see if we can get him up to like, I don't know, there like 25 or so. I've got 11 right. followers? Wow. I didn't even know that. Um, For shout outs, I, I, I don't know if I actually have anybody that's uh, listening to this one, but I will probably tell my cousin. My cousin, uh, Matthew, He, uh, I was mentioning earlier, he's really close to where the stadium will be. He's been my uh, Chicago Bears partner in crime when we go to every game um my background right now for my for this call is the nfc championship game we were sitting in the stands and uh end of the game we're about to win the beer guy comes up he goes you guys want beers my cousin was 15 at the time he was not even questioning it i'm like he's 15 (laughs) oh oh whatever so yeah matthew uh thanks for being my uh uh partner in crime for uh getting out to the games and having a good time no matter what weather it is no matter what spirits we're in and he's always been one to be like yeah you know that was a great time you know they lost but he always keeps me he keeps me high spirits and then uh i want to shout out my wife uh cassie she's probably taking care of the kid right now because he just doesn't want to sleep she's been an absolute uh slay in the motherhood and uh it's been tough and i thought i'd do much better and she's just crushing it. So, uh, yeah, that, those are that's my shout out. Pill, just uh, I, I know I know your pain. I know we've talked about it very very much. But when they finally start to sleep, man, it is is just it's it's incredible. I'm waiting for that moment and for the vomit to stop. That'd be great too. So, Jack, who I didn't introduce at the beginning of the podcasts. You have a Twitter account, and you should tell I people do. what your tw- your Twitter account is. I I am so bad at that. I told Brendan Shagru, Dangle needs to give Twitter accounts, and so after you give your shoutouts, I'll give Twitter accounts for the rest of the crew that are not here tonight, and then I will give my shoutouts. Okay, you can find me on Twitter at at Bear Down Jack, and give me a follow. It's been like picking up recently because there are some great Bears fans, and there's actually some. Bears news now, which makes everything a little bit better. In fact, I was heading off the bed just the other night, and one of our listeners and friends sent me a, a personal message and said he was going to Bears camp, and he said, "Hey, do you know? Can we bring binoculars to Bears camp? Because my eyes aren't so good." And I, 
I'm like, you know what? I don't know, but let's check it out. So between the two of us, we figured out because you know how it get. You go to the gate after you've taken the shuttle, and they say, "Hey, sorry, no binoculars." All oh, right, like that—that's like a kick in the teeth to go all the way back. So anyway, you can bring binoculars, folks. So that's good. And he especially thinks that there's a good chance that Tristan Ebner is going to be good. He said he liked him better than Tariq Cohen. So uh, I didn't say who he was. Uh, Skokian, uh, he is at I underscore am underscore Skokes, S-K-O-K-S. So Skokian, my shout out is to you. It was a pleasure to message you. We always talk about how we like to get more and more fan interaction with the show and so that's just a single shout out but it was uh it was a great one and i really enjoyed interacting with him all right so i have three shout outs for this week uh two on twitter and one that is not the first one goes out to the 79th and hallis pod uh that's joe lewis and his brother it's just it's been fun to watch bears camp through their eyes what they're seeing while they're there at camp um and you know you can get it on a lot of the the big name sports companies but i think it's really cool that joe and his brother did it basically the same way that we started and finally got a press pass to soldier field and they're and they're able to do that and i just think it's so cool so i want to give uh, a shout out to the 79th and house pod you guys are doing a fantastic job please keep it up the next one is kyle george Kyle George makes me laugh on Twitter like most other people can't. He has some awesome one-liners. So Kyle, I just want to say thank you for making me laugh. Sometimes Twitter can be a very dark, dark place. And so I want you to know that I appreciate you. And the last one, it is not on Twitter. It is the Vidarczyk family. Yes, Vidarczyk. It's wicked Polish, boys. Um, Chewy is a good friend of mine. We've been friends for about 10 years. I got to go out to Colorado and he housed me, took me to some really, really cool places. We went climbing, we went hiking. And we had an absolute blast and it was all thanks to Chewy. And then today I went and hung out with Chewy's folks, the Vidarczyks, that's Mariusz and Sylvia. And they are just about as wonderful as people as possible. Within the first five minutes, they had my daughter uh, on the grass blowing bubbles and just laughing and having a great time. And so they gave me a little bit of a dad break. So I want you guys to know that I appreciate you. For all of you who are listening, we want to say thank you so much. We know you can get your Bears content anyway. I'm not making this up. I looked this week. There were two Bears podcasts that I'd never heard of before that just started this week. And so you could be anywhere. You could be listening to all those, but you're listening to this podcast, and it means more than any of us can say. For Brennan Chagru, at Brennan Chagru, that's S-U-G-R-U-E, Patrick Sheldon, that's P underscore Shells, and Logan Bradley, at Bear Down Bradley. For Jack Wright, and Pill, Pill, this is so much fun to have you on. I am Ryan Dangle. For all of us at the Bear Down Chicago podcast, thank you so much, folks. And as always, Bear Down Chicago. Bear down.